630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Jams it free for Cody Cece. Poked away from him. Dished off. One-timer. Besser denied. What a save by Miko Koskinen. Miko Koskinen. Standing tall tonight for the Edmonton Oilers. He makes 29 saves, and the Oilers win in Vancouver 2-1. The power play continues to be deadly for Edmonton. Warren Fogle, a power play goal in the first period. Leon Dreisaitl, a power play goal in the second period. Edmonton's man advantage, 11 for 23 on the season, 47.8%. The Oilers improved to 6-1 and on the year. Now Koskinen stopping 29 out of 30. He improves to four and one with a 937 save percentage thanks a lot for tuning in tonight five minutes before 11 along with rob brown i'm reed wilkins you still have five minutes to go to the oilers website and get a 50 50 ticket for the oilers community foundation draw presented by remax.ca as the oilers get it done i, I mean Koskinen, rob coming off an off game he was a story going into this one how would he play well played pretty well especially when Vancouver pulled the goalie with four minutes left, got a power play in a desperate attempt to get on the board. Yeah, he was excellent. Uh, I know there was a lot of detractors and a lot of people hoping that he wasn't going to be starting tonight, but he came in and did what he was supposed to do. He gave him a solid effort. So that's four to five games he's been good now, and uh, tonight he made big saves at the right moments, and no bigger than when he was on the, trying to kill the penalty off at the end of the game. If the Canucks score early in that power play, they got plenty of time left to try and you know, get the equalizer. But he, he eventually gives up one with five seconds to go. At that time, the game is over. But he made two or three big saves. He had the Canuck players shaking their heads. They had some close-ups late in the hockey game. Uh, he's a proud goaltender. He wanted to have a bounce-back game. He knew last game that there were a couple of them were on him, and the young Carter Hart outplayed him and was the reason that the Oilers were able to get the two points but tonight he was the better goaltender and a, a big reason why the Oilers are going home with uh, with two points in the bank. Yeah, the highlight there with Jack calling the save off Brock Besser is our save of the game for Reface Magic. Transform your kitchen with ease. See the magic at reface.ca. It was Besser who would get that goal with 5.3 on the clock but the Oilers get the 2-1 victory and the power play it continues to just be outstanding though the second power play got a goal tonight with one second left in the Oilers first period power play and a third line player they continue to contribute I know I know you know Cassian has a power play goal Fogle has a power play goal but still players off the third line finding the score sheet uh, Fogle from Nurse and Bouchard got it going it, last game the third line was it that was the, the first game that they weren't noticeable in a positive way uh, tonight it was the opposite. They they were back doing what they they do well. Fogel had a couple good chances. Cassian had some good opportunities offensively. Couple big hits. Uh, Derek Ryan had a couple good shots on net too. So uh, they were out there creating again, and uh, they can help change momentum in a hockey game. And they can also continue the momentum going in the right direction. Uh, very good out of that line tonight. And. And a and good goal by Fogel, just knowing where he's supposed to be. Get in front of the net, and then he won a battle, a 50-50 battle in front of a goaltender. If you're the offensive player and you win that draw or that battle, you usually are rewarded with a goal. So another strong effort for he and his line mates. Yeah, Fogel's been a game-changer for me for the Oilers so mm-hmm. far through seven games. Plays 12 minutes tonight, gets the goal, now has a couple on the season. Very good down low. 
bigger guy, has some speed, has enough skill. We saw the goal he scored earlier this season where he kind of twisted around a defenseman and got a quick shot away. So, I mean, that's that's such a change for Edmonton. And you saw it. You saw tonight. I mean, they were clearly the better team in the first period, and I mm-hmm. thought for most of the third they, they were as well. But again, you saw it with the third line, keeping plays alive. Yeah, they're not going to score every night. I, I do think you need... I think that's one where you and I differ a little bit. Like, I, I still think the third line needs to score a, a, a bit more than I feel like you say some nights. Like, Cassian said he'd like to get to double digits. I think oh, he can. Oh, I'm sure. I, I think I, Fogel I think, can. I think Perlini would like to get double think, digits, but, 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 so it's sure. I, I think the third line, guys, like, to me, that's a, that's a deeper team offensively. Well, they're a much better players. team. Yeah, but, 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 they, but they win shifts. Mm-hmm. So even on the nights they don't they don't score, and you notice it's like they win shifts, they keep the puck down low, and they grind on the other team a bit. Well, this is the first time that the Oilers can say that they've got three players on the third line they're excited about. There's always, they've got two out of three, or they've got one out of three, or there's always someone trying to fill in a spot just because they need someone, they can't send two out there, so we're going to find someone on the bench to throw a third guy out there. They have three guys that complement each other well. And the beginning of the season... Dave Tippett, every year, every coach, will look through his lineup and say, okay, here's who I feel should play well together. And Dave Tippett, more so than most coaches, goes right to that from the very first day of training camp. He's got the lines all ready, and this is what we expect and hope will work out. And all the time, it doesn't work. There's times where, okay, this guy's not gelling with so-and-so and and whatnot, but they put these three together, and, and they've looked comfortable together since day one. Every exhibition game that we watched them play in, they were very good. They understand their roles. They know that if one guy's got the puck with an opportunity to put it on net, he's going to. So the other two crash the net. They work down low below the goal line in the offensive line or offensive end very well. They support each other defensively. Uh, and what happens, and I've been on third lines in the National Hockey League, you try to have an identity. And you talk a lot in practice. You talk a lot on the bench. You know what your strengths are, and you try to play to them. And you want to be a factor in a hockey game. And for a long, long time here in Edmonton, I mean, there were there were years the Oilers struggled to have a second line mm-hmm. that was a factor in the hockey game. Well, this year they've got a second and a third line that make differences in every game. 2-1, the Oilers win in Vancouver. And Miko Koskinen has made a winner of Dawn for Set the Line, presented by River Cree Resort and Casino. Don's going to get a $50 gift card to River Cree Resort and Casino. Excitement bet on it. So we set the line before the game at a 9-10 save percentage for this game. Mm-hmm. For Koskinen, well, he's 967, and he was 5.3 seconds away from being 1,000. So there you go, Don. Don. Don and I get to share, right? Because I went over two, correct? Where do we go on? Where did we win again? What did Don and I win? Not that I wasn't paying attention. I, I you don't both. think Don's. We're not gonna. Don's under no obligation to share with anybody, Rob. But where where Don and I meeting again? Where is it? Where do we win? We're gonna. Don, you enjoy this. <laughs> enjoy this moment. Don's very smart. <laughs> and, and back to the power play for Edmonton, and then the the, the first unit gets the second. Well, let's face it, they. The, the impressive thing about the second unit is when they get a goal, they're doing it in about 20 to 30 seconds because that's oh, yes. usually the only time they get. So yes. the fact that they have two you know, limited ice time isn't so bad this season. But you and I commented it commented as we were watching the power play the Oilers got late in the second period, how many times they kept pucks alive. Mm-hmm. You know, Vancouver was 
leading up to the goal, I'm trying to think back, they, tr they tried to come up the right side. The Oilers kind of held it in, and then the Canucks were trying to work it around the left side and had the puck, but there was always an Oiler on them, chipping it, chipping it, chipping it, and then finally they get possession back to Barry. And then even off a shot that was blocked, Nugent Hopkins is right there over to Dreisaitl in the net. Well, the Oilers have a huge advantage when they go in the power play. One, their skill level. They've got the two best offensive players in the National Hockey League in, in Dreisaitl and, and Leon, uh, and, uh, sorry, Dreisaitl and McDavid. They got the top scoring defenseman in the National Hockey League from last year in Barry. And they got two fantastic complementary players with Nugent Hopkins and either Pugliarvi or, or Hyman. So they've got the skill. They also have the fact they've played together for the last number of years and Leon just talked about it on Hockey Night in Canada and he said that you know we've been together for years we know where each other's going to go we read the play so when there's a puck against the boards and that's what the defenders usually when you're a penalty killer you say okay if you see his eyes you back off you see his butt you go at him so when the Oilers facing the boards they start coming at you you have to know where your teammates are so that you can put a puck in that direction because he can get it. So in one shift, the puck went behind the net. Nugent Hopkins got hit, but moved it to Connor, got hit, but moved it to Leon, got hit, but threw it back to the point to, to Barry, and all of a sudden, Barry's got time, and everyone gets to reset. The other thing, and, and uh, there was a great documentary. It was on the Chicago Bulls, and they interviewed Dennis Rodman, and he talked about rebounds. He said he knew how each person shot the ball, so he knew how the ball was going to spin coming out of their hand, so he knew how to anticipate where to go for the rebound. Well, when you play with guys for an extended period of time, you know their tendencies. So when somebody is about to make a play, the defenders have no idea, but the Oilers know where that puck's probably going to go because they've seen it time and time again. That's why they always have a little bit of a, a head start or a jump on getting and retrieving the puck because they know what Leon's got it there. Here's where he's going to go with it. Connor has it here and so on. So that's why they're so good together. And it, it I've, as I said before, I've played on great power plays with great players, but I've never seen a power play like the others that they don't have an off power play. I've gone on teams where you've had off road trips on your power play. You'll go five games without scoring a goal and look awful. They don't have an off power play single one in a hockey game. Every time they step on the ice, it looks like they're going to score. And again, the Edmonton Oilers power play wins them a hockey game. Do you ever have a teammate like Dennis Rodman? <laughs> oh, yes. I had a lot. I play with a guy named Phil Bork. He would be similar and similar in some ways. Phil Bork? Phil Bork, Borky, absolutely. Oh, wow. Well, I could sit here. We'd have to go, we'd have to wait till after midnight to do some of the stories about Borky, <laughs> but yes, there were some similarities. Oilers win 2-1, so a $200 donation to 630 Chet Santa's Anonymous, courtesy James H. Brown and Associates. Unrivaled experience, unrivaled commitment, unrivaled results. They're given $100 every time the Oilers score throughout the season. Big David's multi-game point streak or multi-point game streak ends. He gets an assist tonight. Nuge gets an assist, or Nugent Hopkins has yet to score, but he has 10 assists in his last six games. That's pretty good. Uh, and, and again, a real pretty play on the the setup to Leon Dreisaitl. A nice play by RNH, getting it in the sweet spot, and obviously Leon, Leon made absolutely no mistake. All right, 780-496-0063. If you want to get in touch, the hotline is presented by CertainTeed, the pro's choice for roofing, siding, drywall, insulation, and ceiling systems. CertainTeed pro all the way. And I'm sure he's in a great mood tonight. Chris from Phoenix is on the line. Chris, thanks a lot for calling. Go ahead. 
Hey, uh, before uh, before I make my comments, I gotta I gotta pay some bills like you guys. You know, do some station identification. I wanna I wanna take uh, this time to thank uh, a gen a gentleman a GM by the name of Kyle Dubis for uh, just letting uh, letting Zach Hyman go. Uh, he has been uh, just a huge part of this team. It's it, it's ridiculous. And then uh, the same thing. Uh, I wanna thank uh, Ken Holland. I've said this from the beginning when we hired Ken Holland, when, when the naysayers were, were saying that he had nothing left because of his last few years in Detroit. I give the benefit of the doubt to a Hall of Fame GM that has won numerous cups. The guy is a fantastic GM. He knows what he's doing. Be patient. I uh, want to tell the Oilers fans to calm down. Let's not be negative tonight. We're 6-1. and one. Koskinen has won four of the five games. And for the naysayers that were, that were talking bad about him in the last game, he gave up two goals. Yes, he did. Two bad goals. Uh, the, the game winner, that one-second goal, that was more so on the team, if anything. Like, they, they, were, they were just lazy. But let's face it, we could easily have two or three more losses. Uh, he, he helped us out big time against Vegas. He came in against Anaheim. And, and let's face it, uh, I know we probably wouldn't have lost against the Yotes, but, man, that first period against the Yotes, he was, he was stellar and fantastic. So, Smitty will be back, or Schmitty as they call him. <laughs> and uh, as far as uh, Browner being uh, put on the third line, what crazy coach puts a former 45-goal scorer or 47-goal scorer on the third line? Oh, there were some days the three line was a step up for me. <laughs> There's days where the press box was my friend. So, But it was obviously the coach's fault. You're absolutely right. Good call by you. <laughs> Well, that's all I have, boys, and I'm excited. Uh, the other thing I forgot to say in my station identification is uh, I want to thank the uh, government of Alberta and you, and you citizens for uh, not passing that daylight savings time thing because uh, it's so nice uh, to uh, be able to have earlier games down here since we are uh, an hour behind you guys sometimes sometime in the year. So, But you guys don't uh, move the clocks, ways. right? Does, there, does Arizona not move them like Saskatchewan? No. No, we uh, we don't uh, we don't do the uh, daylight saving time. So, so what time is it there right now? Are we we're an hour ahead right now? It's, it's, it's ten o'clock right now. Okay, I got gotcha. you. Okay. So we'll be there sometime this month. Don't cool. we fall back right away? We fall back in a week or two. Yeah. Thanks, Chris. Well, like I said, boys, uh, have a great night. Let's go Oilers. Yeah, appreciate it, Chris from Phoenix checking in tonight as the Oilers beat the Canucks 2-1. Yeah, he's excited. Well, why not? 6-1. and one. What a way to start a season. Absolutely. Yeah, better be than 1-6. 1-6. Uh, but, I mean, he, he made some good points about Koskinen. He came in halfway through the Anaheim mm-hmm. game. But Smith wasn't having a great start. It oh. was you know, a high-scoring game, so it wasn't like the game was uh, was over. Yeah, Arizona is is not a good team. He's been, he's been excellent in four of his five starts. But, yeah, the first period against Anaheim was... Yep. Uh, they, I mean, or against he, Arizona, pardon me, was not yeah, great. He, he's a backup goaltender. And a backup goaltender, if he gives you 80% of his starts or quality starts, you're going to be pretty happy. And, yeah, Koskinen, he had an off game. All, all goalies do. I think that sometimes when you look at the past of a player, uh, you you start to, the negative thoughts come in because, okay, tell me we're not getting what we had at the beginning of last year. But I think you just got to forget about it and just see his recent past. In his recent past, this year has been good all through training camp, through the exhibition season, and the first three starts that he had, well, two starts in a, in a fill-in, uh, he's had one bad start. That's it. So good on Koskinen. Uh, I mean, maybe we see him Monday or maybe Smith is back in. Yeah, it sounds like Smith is getting close. Obviously, they want to get him back in, playing the Seattle Kraken on Monday. Jillian writes in 780-496-0063. She, uh, this is uh, Katie's mom, by the way, that I think you've coached. Katie. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
uh, says, we're, my husband and I are heading to Vegas to watch the Oilers on November 27th. Where can we watch the post-game show while we're there? Well, Rob and I aren't going to be there, so you can't watch us. Maybe, you know what, that'd listen. be a great idea. We should go down and do that. I have I have done a game in Vegas. Yeah, you did do that one game yeah, for Vegas. It was they fantastic. They wouldn't let you in the building. <laughs> no, I know. I had to get Bob Stoffer to pull pull some strings. Well, to he's get got a lot the, of clout. I know he does. He can get you into any rink. Anybody into any rink. <laughs> I, I don't know about that. Special Stoffer pass. He will get me. He can get me into the U of A. That's the one. Oh, place. absolutely. Yes. He can get you into the U of A. He yeah. is. He is a legend there. Uh, you know what? Where I don't know where you could. You know, in all, okay, in all honesty, you're going to Vegas to watch the Oilers. The last thing you want to do after the game is watch our post game or listen to our post game. Well, I assume you could listen on the app, though. The you d- radio you're in app. Vegas. Yeah, but you could gamble and have an earbud in Tell and still you listen to us. Well, we'll do don't, that. Rob, don't discourage people from listening to the show. Well, the people that are in Vegas after the game, we're good. that night. Yes, I want people to listen all the time, regardless that of what they're night, doing. That night, we are going to do all our good stuff before the game. No, we'll be good after the game as well. No, I'm not. I'm not just because they're going to. Well, I don't want to waste. I don't want to waste. Now I understand. I finally understand why your coach is benched. <laughs> <you. laughs> now, well, right, now it makes sense to me. Finally. That and by back checking. That were two main <laughs> reasons right there. Well, that all factors into attitude. I think it all is a one big bundle. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point by you. I'm starting to see now. Oh, maybe those coaches were right. Maybe Hitch was right about me. Two <laughs> one. <sighs> the Oilers win tonight. They don't get to five. But they uh, they have on several other occasions this season, what, four in a row they got to five. Whenever Edmonton scores five or more in a game, we turn on the goal light. It's presented by Japanese Village. Try the legendary Wagyu steak cooked right before your eyes. Reserve now at jvedmonton.ca. The goal light allows you to print up a coupon for a free appetizer to Japanese Village. KC says, short message tonight, good evening. Yamamoto just doesn't have it. Uh, you know what? Uh, I, I, I like the kid. I like his try. But at some point, when you're playing top six and you're playing with a, an MVP and a former scoring champion in Leon Dreisaitl, you gotta you got to be able to produce offensively. This is game, what are we, seven games in now? Yeah. On the he season? Have, he doesn't even assist, he, does No, he? he's got zero no. points on the season. And he's got one goal in his last... 34 35 games and I thought it was I thought it was only like five or six points in in, in that stretch as well I know that somebody just put it up recently I, I can't remember and I apologize but yeah uh, you, he needs to produce and I know that the the rope is long for him because they do not want to mess the lines up they don't want to mess up the first line and they certainly don't want to mess up the third the third line because it's been playing so well and I'm not sure anybody on your fourth line is uh, is a guy that you want to move up into a top six role. There's a reason they're on your fourth line. So they're giving him as, as long a, a rope as they can, but at some point, there's got to be something good that comes out of his game productively. And it just hasn't been there. Um, he, he needs to find some magic. And I was hoping that in tonight's game, when they pulled their goalie early, that maybe an empty net goal would find his stick and, and allow him to gain a little confidence because I've I have not been in the stretch he has been in, but I do know that when uh, the puck's not going in and that's your job, it weighs on you all the time. When you go at home, when you're in practice, it just weighs on you. And the poor kid now, I mean, there's people talking on the radio about it. He'll read it in the papers. It just gets harder and harder. The longer it goes, the tougher it becomes for him. Yeah, I think a little, I, I would think, I mean, maybe you don't agree with me. I, I, I would think overall... 
a little easier because the team is winning. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's That's not true. Gonna, and I mean, sure, we still have Oilers fans bringing it up. I mean, the team mm-hmm. is, is deeply well, analyzed by everybody, but it's not as if, well, a goal short again and Yamamoto did nothing. I mean, there's, at least they're still winning. You're right. And as a, as a fan, you think that. And as a, an organization, you think that. But the player doesn't. Uh, the player, I mean, you, whether you win or whether you lose, you know what your role is. Yeah. And you're happy the team's winning, but you know that uh, you're not doing what you're, you're capable of doing. And it just it gets harder and harder. So they need something offensively out of Kyler Yamamoto. They do. Um, the only thing that he's got going for him right now is I just don't see another player in the, their lineup that they'd want to move into the same spot that he's in. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, you, you, make, you make a good point about the lines. The top nine, certainly, even if Yamamoto's not playing great. I mean, it's still a, a successful top mm-hmm. nine. And I shouldn't even say, I don't think it's fair to say he's not playing great. He's not getting points. Like, I, I don't sense, you, you know, sometimes when you see players in a, in a slump or whatever, they, they look clumsy with the puck mm-hmm. or they or they look discouraged. But but that goes back to you saying that you believe a third line can't just play well and play even. Well, Yamamoto, you can't just play well on your in the second line. You no, have I to agree. produce. No, I agree. Yeah, and, you got to have points. Yeah, and and right now, again, the Oilers are winning on their power play. They're five on five. They need to score goals five on five because there's going to be better teams than the Vancouver Canucks. The second line, when you got Leon Drysaddle out there, I mean, the puck's got to be in the back of the net occasionally on that line. Uh, Yamamoto's got to find the back of the net. He's got to create them. He's got to create chances. He's got to be in the blue paint. And the thing is, right now. If you go back over the first seven games, how many goal-scoring chances do you remember Yamamoto having? I think two, like really good ones. I remember one. Well, there was the one pad save I thought he was going in. Didn't he have a partial breakaway in a game? Maybe that was in the preseason. Yeah, so that's so that's where we're at right now. Like, we can think of all the other players who have had great chances. So he's not getting the looks. And I know as a player, when you're getting the looks, you keep feeling, okay, one of these ones is going to go in. Eventually something's going to trickle past the goaltender. What scares you is when you're not getting opportunities because that's like, okay, what's wrong now? So uh, you, you hope that uh, it comes and... I, again, well, I, I, playing against Seattle, fairly close to a hometown for him. Maybe, maybe having a little bit of a Washington feel will get him a, an opportunity and things can break out for him on Monday. 2-1, the Oilers win it tonight. Speaking of getting chances, Connor McDavid, nine shots on goal tonight. I saw that. And at least three of them were oh, at least. super grade A. I, I mean, he had two in alone chances in the third period. I wrote those down. He had the one cutting in off the right wing with 14 minutes left. And then he had the one with 11.20 left. Demko made the blocker save. Oh, and then he had the uh, that other one in tight where he actually mm-hmm. had two, two flips shots at, at it, it and couldn't quite get it over. And then Pedersen knocked him into the crease well, it's, from behind. It's funny. Normally when you look, we get the stats and you see, okay, so-and-so had six shots. Of those six shots, three were from the outside. One was a deflection okay there's one was a grade b okay he had one grade one when connor has six shots you look back all six of those were grade a scoring opportunities uh and this is where you feel on the other side if you're a canuck fan you feel for demko demko stops mcdavid six times for them great opportunities he only gets beat twice and both of them are on the power play and at the end of the night he doesn't get a point for his team demko was outstanding for the canucks in this hockey game 
just unfortunately for him, Koskinen was one save better. Yeah, the three stars picked by Hockey Night in Canada. Koskinen, the first star. McDavid was picked as the, the second star. Demko, the third star. I I hate to argue with picking McDavid as a star. I would have been inclined to pick Fogel, quite frankly. Yeah, you're right. Well, this, well that's the, the funny thing about it is how often does Fogel score a goal? Compared to how right. often does Connor get one assist? Right. So it's like, all right, you know, we, in all, you can pick Connor every game if you want, but when a third line guy gets a power play goal in a one goal game, you might want to throw him a bone and say, all right, here you go. Here, here you go, Fogel. We're going to give you a start tonight. You get one of the Hockey Night in Canada towels, and we'll talk to you after the game. <laughs> Connor's got too many of those towels. He doesn't need all these stars. Yeah, I just remember that joke from the 80s like, how many cars did Wayne Gretzky win at what point? <laughs> <laughs> he just started giving them away, I think, to family members. It's probably it's probably some people in Edmonton still driving around with cars. Well, eventually, oh, Gretzky became... just walked up and gave me some keys yeah. on Jasper F. All his neighbors had cars because the family <laughs> had too many of them. Insurance was getting too high for the family because they had four cars in their garage. Interesting time in Alberta. The Oilers are not ahead of the Flames. No, the Oilers do have a game in hand, mm-hmm. but the Flames have upped their record to 6-1-1, one, and one, while the Oilers are 6-1. Six and one. Sixth consecutive victory for the Flames. They knock off the Flyers 4-0. Markstrom, 134 minutes and 12 seconds of shutout hockey. I saw one of the Flames reporters uh, put out tonight. So Calgary is uh, on an excellent run here as we check the scoreboard for Edmonton Trailer. Looking for parts, service, rentals, or new and used semi-trailers, head to edmontontrailer.com. The Montreal Canadiens are 2-7 and seven as they lose to Los Angeles 5-2. Not only are they losing, most of these games are losing by multiple goals. The, it shows you the importance of two players in that organization, Weber and Price. Neither of them are playing right now, and they cannot buy a victory. The Predators beat the Islanders 3-2 in a shootout. We saw the end of the Sharks and Jets game. It was in overtime. The Sharks got a power play, one at two one. Yeah, it was. That was a pretty good game. The Jets uh, looked like they were going to be able to take it. They had a three on two in overtime, and they turned a three on two into a partial breakaway the other way, and they took a penalty. Uh, the Sharks are a better team than many people expected them to be. They played well in this game. Maple Leafs beat Detroit five four. Speaking of goalie giveaways, kind of like the one we had with Koskinen the other night. Well, this was maybe more on the defense. This was on the defense, but it started with the goalie out of the net, uh, fumbled puck. Well bad pass right out in front of the net to Marner who had an open net that made it 5-3 Toronto late in the third and you thought okay it's a an insurance goal turned out to be the game winner because Detroit scored one late so the Leafs win at 5-4 Devils over the Penguins 4-2 Chicago is still winless they're 0-7-2 1-0 loss to the Blues Avalanche beat the Wild 4-1 McKinnon and Dumba fought and the Florida Panthers for the first time this season do not win but they do get a point. They're 8-0-1. The Bruins beat them 3-2 in a shootout. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what Florida does now that they, the coaching change and everything about the coaching change and why it happened. Uh, Quenville gone, Brune is in, and Florida, one of the hottest teams in the National Hockey League. All right. Also, the Oil Kings, they settled for a point, lost 4-3 in overtime to Red Deer, the Oilers' farm team. The Bakersfield Condors lost 4-2 to the Henderson Silver Knights. Uh, yeah, we echo, and I talked about it on my show Thursday night because I saw the tweets less than an hour before I went on air. Manny Viveros, who's from St. Albert. Yeah, buddy uh, of mine. Prostate I, cancer. I grew up with his brother. I, I've known Manny. I played against him in junior. Fantastic hockey player, great hockey mind. I wish him all the best, his family all the best, and hope he is happy and healthy sooner rather than later. 
And the Braves beat the Astros 3-2, so they lead the World Series three games to one. I, I want to mention this. We talked about it a bit early. Well, a couple things from, from the U of A. First of all, uh, Brandon Holtby, who we've confirmed is no relation to Braden, 50 saves for the Regina Cougars as they upset the U of A Golden Bears 3-0 tonight at Claire Drake Arena. That's a Canada West record for most saves in a shutout. And I mentioned I got a text from a buddy who was at the game who called it the most incredible goaltending performance he's ever seen. So I assume many of those saves were highlight reel. Grade A chances. And the Golden Bears football team is now three and two with a week left in their regular season. They have not yet clinched a playoff spot. The way I, the way it was explained to me, it's still possible there could be four teams tied for three playoff spots depending on what happens next weekend, and then they'd have to break the tie. That'd the be Bears a really down, cool rock, paper, scissors to see who gets in. <laughs> the Bears were down 22-5 in the fourth quarter. Uh, they, were, they were still down nine points in the final two minutes. They missed a field goal. The Regina player tried to run it out and fumbled in his end zone, and the Bears recovered Then and for a touchdown. Then the Bears had to do a short kick. They recovered it. They drove down for a field goal to go ahead by a point with about a minute left. Regina came back down. Field goal to win on the final play goes wide. The Golden Bear player catches it almost on the end line and has to run out before he gets tackled. He had to dive out of the end zone and got out to the one. Did, so, they, did they have to go for? Did they must have gone for a two-point conversion on their touchdown then too? If they were down nine, they got the. Then the, so they got the seven to yeah. get within two, and then they got the oh, field goal okay. yeah, to, get a, to get up one. So anyway, some uh, interesting stuff there from the uh, university world tonight. 780-496-0063. Oilers win 2-1. We have Brent on the line. Hey, Brent. Hey, Brent, go ahead. Hi, Reed. Hi. Uh, you can hear me, sir? Yes, we can. Thank you. Uh, I, I love you so, Reed. Thank you. Uh I got a question for you, sir. That uh, when Conor, you referred to it uh, a few minutes ago, uh, that Conor David uh, check in the blue paint, should that not have been a penalty? Uh, on which one? The Patterson one where he knocked McDavid over after he had those two chances in tight. Uh, no, they, they'll, they'll never call that. Was it, would that be would that be a cross checking or checking from behind? Or? No, they'll they'll never watch every every time there's a puck in the scram or scramble in front of the net and the goaltender covers it. There's always three people laying on the ice. They they will never call that. It goes both ways. The Oilers do it just as much as any other team. Uh, no, they it won't be called unless it's blatant where it's extension breaking the stick over someone's back but pushing someone forward. Yeah, no, they won't call it. I, I think I understand why you're asking though, Brent. Is it because of the new cross check standard that, that yeah. we're supposed to see? Because there have been some cross checks called yep. that would probably wouldn't have been called last year. You're right, right. but that no, the, the one on McDavid, uh, we never even considered so that I'm a penalty. Well, thinking. Yeah, it, did, it didn't strike me either at the time, but I, I understand why you're asking because it was, it could have been a dangerous play. I mean, it wasn't a, it was an aggressive play. Let me put it that way. It was, a, I mean, yeah, but hockey's yeah. an aggressive sport. He's the guy's standing right beside his net. He's going to drill him. Yeah, it it happens 150 times a well, game. Well, no, I know, yeah. but yeah, I understand. Thank you, sir. Yeah, I no, appreciate it, Brent. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Yeah, it was it was interesting. There were, there were there were three penalties, and obviously the Oilers benefited. There there were three penalties. There could have been zero. You're right. Well, the the three penalties they called 
to me, the one on Yamamoto where he, Ekman Larson, I mean, the stick grazed the side of his helmet. That wasn't a penalty. And again, we don't know the angle that yeah. ref saw. Or... But the one nurse in front, that wasn't a penalty. The little cross check. And then what was the third penalty? Oh, uh... Oh, was, it was in the. It was early in the. Well, the Oilers scored on both of them, and we're forgetting one. <laughs> I can't remember who got the third penalty, but it was something. Real. Oh, Myers got the. Oh, Myers. The Myers hooking penalty was a hook because Pulleyarvi has an open shot. Yeah, that's true. So there could have been one. But penalty Leon should have got a penalty. Yeah, for well, shooting the stick down the ice. That's a penalty, that, whether you're shorthanded or not. And that would have been huge because it would have made it it's, a six on yeah. three, with minutes like, to go in the game. To me, that's. That's the frustrating thing. And, I mean, look, I know Oilers fans are listening, so they're probably like, why is Reed saying Leon should have got a penalty? But you would want that called. Absolutely. He shot it down the ice. He shot it down the ice. I think it was Besser had to go all the way back into his own zone to get the puck uh, or to get his stick. Absolutely, that's a penalty. And it's it's an easy call for the ref because as soon as you shoot the other guy's stick, it's a call. And that's why I think not just Oilers fans, hockey fans, sports fans, get upset when there's a blatant penalty mm-hmm. and and the and the refs if we can read their minds are saying ah well it's already i don't want to put them down too but, but that's a blatant penalty that, but that one right there more than anything else in the game tonight could have changed the complexion of the game because now it's a six on three right so you think okay they're probably going to score early so now they're going to have a lot more time down one goal and would still be on the power play that's a thing. They score on a six on three, then it turns into a six on four. So, yeah, the referee missed that one. Very lu- Leon was very lucky. All right. Glenn, the bartender, writes in. He says, Yamamoto may not have it on the score sheet, but he still does a lot well. He needs to start driving the net instead of curling back on zone entries. Either he sneaks through and gets a chance or draws a penalty and the Oilers likely score. That would be a win-win. Glenn, the bartender, also says, my other fix would be to kidnap Garland. <laughs> that would be a sick line the way he's currently playing. Well, Garland can shoot the puck. They just actually, he's doing a big thing on Hockey Night in Canada tonight, and they're showing him in minor hockey and junior and throughout his NHL career some of the goals he can score. The kid can score. All right, Oilers take it 2-1. You can get us at 780-496-0063. We'll have some comments coming up from Dave Tippett. This is Heartland Ford, Overtime Open Line. We had a lot of good chances in the game, yeah. Demko played really well, but uh, I like the way we played. First period, we played real well. Second period, we turned some pucks over and chased a little bit. But even third period, we were, we were pretty strong. Got a little scrambly at the end with killing a penalty. But for the most part, we, we did some things well and was well enough to win. A little bit there from Dave Tippett as the Oilers do indeed get the victory tonight. 2-1 over the Vancouver Canucks. So the Oilers are 6-1 and on the year. The Canucks dropped to 3-5-1, and and they've started 0-3 on a seven-game homestand. A, a strong first period for the Oilers tonight. Second period, Vancouver definitely fought back. You know, had a crossbar, had a couple bouncing pucks in the crease that they couldn't knock in and I thought overall pretty good third period for uh, for Edmonton I mean we talked about the chances McDavid had and then an early pull 408 to go the Canucks pulled Demko with 301 left is when Nurse got the cross-checking penalty two huge saves by mm-hmm. Koskinen on the power play and then once the Oilers killed that off they pretty much had it though Besser did get a goal with 5.3 seconds left on the clock Power play for the Oilers, like I mentioned earlier, 11 for 23 on the year, 47.8%. A little bit here from Dave Tippett. You know, it's one of those things we were talking yesterday about playing road hockey. I mean, it bounces around a little bit. You have, you know, they have a little bit of structure, but it's just like up a skate here and bing, 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 and it's, and it's, it's road hockey, right? And Leon 
likes it when the road hockey finishes with him right in that spot. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a fascinating power play to watch. I, I mean, we are we are witnessing a historic run on the power play. Yeah. If you look at the percentages the last two years, the way it started off this year, I'm sure there will be a dry spell at some point or a, a good penalty kill that does some things to them. But they're so confident. And it, I, I can't remember if I used the clip on air, but McDavid got asked a few days ago, well, okay, you know, the teams know that they want to drop it back to you, and that's how they want to zone it, do the zone entry with you doing the speed. Like, what if they really work on taking that away? And McDavid just said, well, then Leon will take the puck. Yeah. Or and, RNA. And, and or you've Barry. made that point several times how maybe not exactly interchangeable, but McDavid can shoot, pass, and skate. Mm. Dreisaitl can shoot, pass, and skate. Well, they all you know, can. Like, everyone, to, to be uh, the mo- as successful as you can be, everyone has to be a threat. And you look at great power plays around the National Hockey League, they always have a player in that power play that you know when the puck goes to him, he's not shooting. Uh, For years in Washington, when the puck went to Backstrom, He's a passer. He's he's not going to shoot. He's trying to set it up to, a, was it Carlson's on the top, Ovechkin's across. He's trying to hit one of them for a one-time. Now, he's a great passer. He's going to do it, but you don't have to respect him as much. You can back off a little bit. Uh, in Tampa Bay, they, they've got the two guys on the opposite sides, Kucherov and Stamkos, so you got to play those guys, but, you know, the other guy's not going to, to shoot the puck. they got the net front presence, who's really just a net front presence where the others are not only the they are capable of doing all those things but they are interchangeable and they do interchange during the power play i think back when when i played mary lemieux never left the wall right ever <laughs> ever he always stood in the same spot yarmer jagger when he was running it from the other side he never left that spot but if you watch Connor mcdavid He's in all three spots. He'll go on where Nugent Hopkins is. He'll play the middle spot, he'll, the bumper. He'll go into the offside wing. Tonight, uh, Leon started in the middle, but when he scored his goal, it was Nugent Hopkins that was in the middle, and he bumped it out to, to Leon. So it's really hard to keep track of the players. So you're thinking, okay, Connor's right there. Okay, I know where he is. And also, next time you look out of the side of your eye, okay, what happened to McDavid? Where did he go? And that's what makes them so dangerous. And then you throw in the fact when the puck bounced, it was a lucky break. On dry settles, goal was a lucky break. Connor's trying to hit, make the pass. It hits a stick or a knee, and it bounces to Nugent Hopkins. It was instantaneous without looking. He knew he got the puck. He knew exactly where dry settles should be standing. So immediately, without hesitation, he throws the puck into his spot. The, the, the no hesitation freezes the goaltender. Because it's so quick, the goaltender has no chance to get over there. If Nugent Hopkins, like most power plays, stops and then takes a quick glance to see who's open, now the goaltender knows, okay, he's going there. I can start to anticipate the, the play. He, Demko's not able to do that. When Drysdale gets it on his stick, it's a one-timer. He's got the entire open net. So uh, I, I've been around hockey for 45 years. I've been on a power play every level I've ever been and I've been on some great power plays I've never seen a power play that is able to do what the Edmonton Oilers power play is able to do and because of that they are never out of a hockey game and they end and I said it earlier tonight it changes the way you play against Edmonton you cannot be as aggressive against them if I'm if you're thinking about playing against McDavid and Drysaddle 
you're thinking, okay, you got to be physical on them. You got to take time and space away from, uh, get in their face, bother them, get them off their game. You can't do that now because you know that if you cross the line just a little bit and even give the referee an opportunity to make a call, you're more or less 50% of the time, you're giving them a goal. So if you do four silly things in a game, that means two times they're going to score a goal against you, and now all of a sudden you're starting to game two goals back. Well, the thing that fascinates me is they they can also score different ways, mm-hmm. especially McDavid and Dreisaitl. I mean, certainly dry, the Dreisaitl's one-timer the last three years has become his go-to weapon, but sometimes he tries the high tip. Mm-hmm. He's big enough that he can get in the crease and jam in a rebound. And that play he made today, you and I talked about it off air, he he stands with his back to the net. His stick is facing center ice. And he gets the pass on his backhand, and then he quickly spins around and fires it on net. Now, a lot of times when he gets the pass like that, though, he, he passes it to someone else. Yep. So... He, you know he does that four or five times maybe as a defender you're thinking okay he's not at least he's not going to shoot and then he's so big he can shield a defender from the puck and spin around and I said to you during the game he shoots it so hard and he's close enough to the goalie that if if he misses the goalie it's it's in, it's in the net yeah the goalie doesn't stop it he hits the goalie or he or he scores well and what it also does it it takes away the guy that's checking him he can't, you can't, you're not going to check the guy that's facing the other way. So he's got a little bit of space. Uh, yeah, and the thing that we're seeing a lot this year too with the Oilers power play, uh, most power plays, they'll get a lot of tip-in goals, a lot of rebound goals, a lot of bounce-in goals. This year, the Oilers, majority of their power play goals have been empty net goals. They've been, they've just, it's Hyman behind the goalie, empty net. Right. Cross ice over to Leon, one-timer, empty net. One-timer by Connor McDavid, empty net. Like, they're scoring goals that, where the goalie has, it's not like a, a chaos type of goal. It's one where uh, we just move the puck around so nicely that you had no chance, we just put the puck into a wide open net. So, uh, they are, it, it, it's fun to watch. If you're an Oilers fan, it must be, I could not imagine sitting on the bench or being the coach of the opposition going as you're seeing one of your players skate to a penalty box and you're like holding your breath for the next two minutes and yep. hoping that they hit a post or your goaltender has an out of world experience in net where he stops three or four because they don't they don't mess up power plays they they gain momentum or they score but they get the full two minutes of offensive zone time this texture says, hey, guys, I think Hyman was perfect for us, but we still need a Garland-type, a talented score, scorer. Also, is it possible to find Connor, Leon, and Nuge all playing center at some point? I don't think it'll be that no. way this season. And much bigger picture. We won't talk too much about that. But, yeah, I mean, trade deadline, That's you might be looking to add someone to the top six well, you know, or, or a rental or something like well, that. There, and there will be some good rentals out. And, well, right now, there's some teams that are having horrible years with some pretty good players that are going to want to be moving them at the deadline. Daniel in Sylvan Lake says, personally, I thought Yamo was better. I'd give him two to three more games. Koskinen was great. I thought the first period was his best of the season. Hyman, wow, just a... Or, sorry, th- the, I thought the first period was the best of the season for the team, I think Daniel means. Uh, Hyman, wow, just a great effort. Thanks for that, Daniel, and, and the other kind things you said in your message as well. Yeah, Hyman, we talked about it during the game. He can skate and he can protect the puck. I mean, that's such that's the big difference for, for the Oilers so far, and hopefully it stays that way. They have more skill, mm-hmm. and they have some guys that can protect pucks and 
win shifts even if you don't score well and Hyman is a guy that keeps plays alive because you don't he doesn't get knocked off the puck there the one thing you never want to be as a player where the the puck dies on your stick and it doesn't with Hyman he creates he's good offensively he's good defensively you've got trust in him at all times of a hockey game um he he was a missing piece that the Oilers were desperate for and uh, and I haven't watched a lot of Leaf games but I can uh, from reading about what fans are talking about, reading in the press there, the, the Leafs are desperate for a Hyman-type hockey player. Uh, he, he makes the players around him better. And for everything you see, he looks like one of those teammates that you want to see succeed, that you want around the dressing room. He's, he's inf- got an infectious personality. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's allowed the Oilers to have three solid lines because they picked up two players, well, two main players, but actually Derek Ryan, three players that have made the the Oilers a much stronger hockey club and harder to play against. Oilers take it 2-1 in Vancouver. We'll go back to the certainty hotline to bring Robert onto the show. Hey, Robert, go ahead. Uh, Hey, guys, how you doing? Quite well. Well, I think uh, think tonight, obviously, I think uh, think Koskinen, he he definitely bounced us. And I was saying that I thought he would. Oh, I mean, like he made some, he made some huge saves, some, some timely saves, especially late there when it was two nothing. Because I totally agree with uh, uh, what you guys were saying there earlier, where if uh, Vancouver gets a quick one there, it's two one game with maybe what half three minutes left, plenty of time to tie it up. So I thought Koskinen was great. I thought, I thought I want to add a, add a little bit on uh, uh, Yamamoto. I think he's looking. He's looking a little more confident. I mean, I think, but I think I think ultimately, what it's going to take to maybe spark him. I think he need. I think he needs to get a bounce. Just have a puck hit him and go in. I think that that's just the big thing. He needs to score one to get going. And obviously, uh, uh, and then I guess another uh, another couple quick ones. That third line. I got to tell you, I'm I'm really impressed with Fogel uh, and Ryan and Cassie and they, like especially the way they were cycling. Down in the uh, uh, down in the Vancouver end, and then uh, 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 one last quick one on uh, on McDavid. I mean, tonight he just he was flying. How many shots did he have? I think it was nine. I mean, yeah, McDavid had nine team, shots. Yeah, but yeah, but yeah. I mean, I think this team this team is poised to have a to have uh, uh, to have a really good season, and maybe 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 dictate what happens with the trade deadline. But anyway, I guess I guess that's all I got. Thanks, yeah, guys. yeah, I appreciate it, Robert. Thanks for listening. Thanks for calling. 780-496-0063. Uh, Oilers are now 6-1 and one out of the gate. So a good start, banking some points. That's all you can ask for early on. Well, I agree. I, 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 the Oilers, to me, are a solid playoff team that are going to be fighting for a division, if not the conference title and home ice advantage through the playoffs and they've gotten off to the start they needed to just have to continue all right you're going to hear from warren fogel we also have anthony calling in we got to take a quick time out though oilers win 2-1 it's heartland ford overtime open line nurse left circle centering pass warren fogel buries it and it's a power play goal for the edmonton oilers with one second on the penalty to tyler myers and it's fogel with the goal his second as an oiler one nothing edmonton leon dreisaitl would also score miko koskinen 29 saves oilers beat the canucks 
2-1, and certainly the addition of Warren Fogle, our adjustment of the game for pro drain techs for peace of mind down the line, and you're going to hear from Fogle in a couple of minutes. First, we'll go back to the Certainty Hotline. We have Anthony calling in. Anthony, are you calling in from Dundas, Ontario? That's it, boys. Uh, oh, the real oh, McCoys. Uh, yeah, home of the real McCoys. Uh, I know that because I used to cover the Lloydminster Border Kings for several years. I believe in 2001, Dundas was the host of the Allen Cup. I believe they held it in Sarnia and Lloydminster won. Does that ring a bell? There you go. And we also had Hockeyville. But, yeah, I called you guys late last year and, uh, you know, big fan of the Oilers, also of the Leafs, so don't hang, hang up on me for that. But, um uh, great to call in, and I wanted to make one comment and then a question I had. The first comment is that you're going to get every penny out of Zach Hyman. So if you're an Oilers fan and you're wondering if, uh, you know, this is the right signing, I'm telling you, you can't, you can't, uh, you know, pay enough for hard work and, uh, you know, an example. And he's going to be a great player for a great example, at least for many years for the Oilers. And um, the question I have, I guess, Rob, for you too, I mean, you know, he played on some pretty good power plays. Um, the Leafs, the last four or five years, at the start of the year, they had a very dominant power play, just like the Oilers do now. And um, how do you keep it fresh so that it doesn't get, um, I don't know, predictable or stale? And, uh, you know, because I think that's certainly what happened with the Leafs over the last couple of years where they were kind of the, the video game power play and um, it kind of, you know, faded away by you know, end of December, early January? Well, a good question. Uh, the power plays that, that I've been on, normally everyone has a role on the power play. And uh, when I was in Pittsburgh, I was a net front presence and was there to tip pucks and be a backdoor type of empty netters. I played in junior. I was the guy up high, so I was the passer. But everyone had a role, and that's what they did on the power play. And the way that it becomes stale is eventually teams figure out, okay, when he's got the puck, he's going to pass it. Okay, this is the guy they're looking for backdoor. Let's take that away. Get in this shooting lane. And then you don't adapt as a power play, and you get stale for a while until you change things up. For the Oilers, the the thing that is so hard for teams playing against them is nobody has a defined role. They don't have the shooter because every one of them is is capable of shooting. They don't have one guy, okay, when he gets it, he's going to be a playmaker, he's going to pass it every time. In the last couple of years, Connor McDavid has decided he's going to shoot more. And what is he, first or second in the NHL in shots right now? So the guy that was always the passer, the playmaker, is now shooting more than anyone else in the NHL. So I don't see the Oilers' power play going stale or becoming complacent simply because they don't have guys that are in set roles. They are interchangeable. They'll play in every position on the power play. They'll move all over the ice. So that's why it's so hard. Whereas in Toronto, and I didn't get to see Toronto at least when they were as good as they were on the power play, but they had certain things that you always saw. Matthews was the shooter. Marner was the playmaker. And they more or less stayed in those kind of roles. Edmonton's not doing that. Everybody's capable of shooting and passing which makes it so hard for them to defend. 2001 Allen Cup was hosted. The Petrolia Squires were the host. It was held in Sarnia. Dundas was in it. The other two teams were uh, the Lloydminster Border Kings and the Stony Play Eagles. Lloydminster beat Petrolia in the final. I was working at Lloyd at the time. I, I'm disappointed I didn't remember all the details. I was just about to say that I didn't remember that out, but you just piqued my interest right there. 
I got actually called to play when I first retired. And I remember I got a phone call. And I'm at home, and I'm like, okay, yeah. Hey, do you want to come play first? Um, okay, yeah, well, I'm not sure. And then he's like, I said, where are you? He goes, Lloyd Minster. I go, you know I live in St. Albert. Yeah, you just drive up every week. And I'm yeah, like, well, yeah, guys do that all the time. Yeah, and I'm like, yeah. yeah, I got two young babies at home. I'm not sure my wife's going to. Okay, I'll see you on Sunday, honey. I'm just going to go play old man That would have been amazing. If you would have joined that team, I would have been covering you. Like, I would have been to probably done the story. Rob Brown joins us because you retired in 04 or 03? I retired in 03. Yeah. I was there from 2000 to 07. Yeah, the gentleman was very I covered nice. covered two – the Allen Cup was in Lloyd twice when I was there. It was I, – I started in March, and they had the Allen Cup there in April. So it was really cool. That was one of the first big things I covered. And then they hosted in 05, the year Horse Lake was there, mm-hmm. and there was the lockout. And then – uh, I didn't go to this one in 01, but I the the Border Kings won in 07 in Stony Plain, and I got to do play by play for all the games. I did I did color one year on TV in when it was in Red Deer. I think it was in Red Deer. I did it. Uh, so Bentley probably hosted it, but it was yes, held in Red Deer. Held in Red Bentley, Deer. and now they're in the, now they're based in Lacombe. Yeah. So I do have there's my experience with uh, with uh, senior hockey. Let's go back to Vancouver. Warren Fogle. Are you going to be uh, vying for some more power play time here, or what? <laughs> I don't know. That first group's uh, the first group's pretty good, so uh, you know it was nice to you know get an opportunity there, and you know our unit cash in on one. A lot's been made about your line and what you guys have been able to do. Is this the type of game that really suits what you guys can bring to the team? Yeah, you know I think every game we're trying to play hard and simple, and you know tonight I thought we created a lot of chances. Um, you know we all feed off each other, and you know I thought it was a good game for our line, and you know. It's, it's been early this season, but, you know, we got a lot more games to go and just got to play at that pace. I know you're a forward. Maybe you don't concentrate as much on, on the defensive side of the team structure per se, but do you think that was the best defensive game that your team has played as a whole? Yeah, it's been good the last uh, the last few games. You know, I thought today we played real fast, and, you know, when you're playing fast, you're not really hanging out in your own zone too much, you know. We're playing more in the O zone, so, um, you know, the D have been great. You know, I thought Miko played unbelievable. Um, you know, crappy that they we didn't help them there at the end, but uh, you know, it, it was a good road win, and you know, take the two points and move on. What do you say about a power play that's clicking at like almost 48 percent seven games into the season? Those are like almost absurd numbers. Yeah, there's a lot of special uh, talent on that first unit there, and you know. We got to watch it on on the bench, just like you guys got to watch. So, you know, they're they're moving the puck well. They're creating a lot of chances, and you know, just stay hot. You know, weren't a lot of special teams in this game, but they, they had a massive impact, particularly with that six on four kill late. I mean, that was uh, madness, a bit of chaos. But uh... yeah, I, our PK was unbelievable. There, guys were almost out there for the whole two minutes, just grinding away. And you know, that's what the team does. You know, you grind and you're helping each other out in areas. And you know, that was a big kill for us. And um, you know, like I said before, Miko was unbelievable too. So, um, you know, we shut it down and, you know, got the two points. Six and one in a lot of different ways. You uh, got to be feeling pretty good about the direction things are going right now. Yeah, you know, things are going well. But uh, like we keep saying, you know, it's early. Uh, you know, try to take it day by day. You know, um, you don't want to get too far ahead of yourself. And you know how good this league can be. So, you know, keep playing fast, simple, and, you know, the results should show. Warren, you play a pretty tough game, uh, but it was Connor McDavid showing off his toughness when he had the hit on Luke Shen despite him having the puck. What did you think of that? Yeah, a bunch of us on the bench were ce- like celebrating on that one. So uh, 
you know, it was good for him to put him down. And, you know, he's just trying to protect himself out there. And, you know, the, he's just a special player. And, you know, it's nice to see him you know, stick up for himself there. Luke Shen's not a small guy. Were you a little surprised? See that result? You know, I, I was just excited that he wasn't on the wrong side of it. So, uh, <laughs> no, it was, uh, it's a good play by him to, you know, stick up for himself and, you know, another element to his game. That's Warren Fogle, the TSN Stats Center Twitter account. Most points in a player's first seven games of the season, last 30 NHL seasons. Lemieux, 22. Kevin Stevens, 18, both in 92-93. Gretzky with 17 in 93-94, Lemieux with 17 in 95-96, McDavid with 17 two years ago, 2019-2020, and now with 16 points in his first seven games, McDavid and uh, four other players. So, again, the names <laughs> he's, he's up there with and from a different era too. Yeah, no, he's having an incredible start to the season, as are the Edmonton Oilers. All right, Rob, we'll do this again Monday. It's going to be fun. Seattle is here for a game that counts in the standings for I'm, the first time. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing the Kraken's real team. It should be fun having them back in or having them in the National Hockey League now. I like their new unis. They will be a hard team. They're going to be a hard out the way they play. Rob and I have been camped out in the Friesen Brothers Broadcast Centre. If you want to get more on this game, go to 630Ched.com or globalnews.ca. It is the Oilers winning 2-1 over the Vancouver Canucks. Our next game broadcast is on Monday. 6 o'clock for the face-off show, game at 7.30. And don't forget, still tickets available for the Kevin Lowe number retirement that is on Friday when the Oilers take on the New York Rangers. Thanks to Angie Quinnell, our studio producer this evening. On behalf of Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. You've been listening to Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Oilers are 6-1. and one. Take care. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.